Welcome back to the Revelation On Demand podcast, an eschatology podcast interested in what the Bible has to say about the end times. Join us as we see what God might have to say about the dread of the end. I'm your host, J.D. Myers, and I'm joined today as usual by Mr. Chris Hess. How you doing, buddy? Hey, we're doing good. We're doing this in the nighttime for a change. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of messed me up a little bit. Not, not quite sure I'm ready to do this, but we'll see. I'm prepared with all my notes, and we're recording early because uh, it's the holiday week. <laughs> Literally, this whole this whole week's like a holiday because of Thanksgiving. You got any plans for Thanksgiving? Turkey Day with some of the church fam, you know. Well, that's good. I'm I'm going to be doing Turkey Day with the family. So, uh, so what are you thankful for? What am I thankful for? Uh, I'm on the multitude of things in my life that uh, Jesus and, of course, God really do provide on my day-to-day, day-in-and-day-out, uh, like good rest, being able to be provided for in a situation or in a place that I did not see myself being in. Uh, you know, you asked me five years ago, but uh, I'm very thankful for this podcast. I, you know, it's it really gives me a good connection to you and as well as the audience and um, as well as the scripture that we've been going over so far. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty thankful for the new theme music we have as our listeners have already found out. I hope that they enjoy it as much as I do. And uh, I'm very thankful for the way God has worked in our lives and moved us to do this together. And I'm really thankful that he brought you into my life, back into my life in a way that, you'd help me do this podcast. So that's what I'm thankful for. And as we mentioned last time, we still don't know who's going to be the president next. (laughs) Uh, We have an idea. Yeah, but it's still undecided and Trump hasn't conceded and turmoil, turmoil, you know, just more, more of the same, I guess. Very wishy-washy situation. It's uh, it's a uh, you know, uh, I guess to pull a real cliche, it is twenty twenty. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's become that's become like a, a saying. It's going to be a twenty twenty, right? <laughs> it used to mean twenty twenty vision, and now it means just terrible, terrible time. It's <laughs> <laughs> an unlucky number all of a sudden. Yeah, right. So. Uh, would you like to go over what happened last episode and I'll fill in the gaps where I need to think necessary? Uh, absolutely. I would hope you would do so. Anyway, last episode. So we went over this, uh, we went over this tale that basically symbolically and it told the story of this woman, this child, and this dragon, right? It was a prophecy of what we deduced Israel giving birth to Jesus and then Jesus being taken up into heaven, Jesus being the child. Um, what? How did you feel about that become today, J.D.? Uh, yeah, that, that whole story is, is kind of like half in the past and half in the future. So the first part of the story is talking about how Jesus was to come and to be taken up into heaven and, you know, taken away from the, dragon and the dragon was trying to get the baby and whatnot to frustrate God's plans. And then the second half is talking about the end times, which is the book that we're in. And it's talking about how God will ultimately win over the dragon, reestablish his, his new world order. So, yes. And, uh, 
the dragon uh, just reiterate being the devil. So there is a woman being symbolically Israel as a woman, and then Jesus, the child, who is this grace, and of course the dragon being the devil to defeat him and create the new world order, you say. Yeah, well, not in that sense. I mean, God's perfect creation. I don't mean the new world order. The new world order is another thing we're going to talk about today a little bit as we talk about the two beasts that the dragon has made. And and so we get into that. But um, uh, we were talking a little bit about spiritual sensitivity and how the spiritual realm is important to me in particular. And that's because I've had a lot of encounters with uh, spiritual beings such as demons or angels in that matter. And so I really have this interesting view where I can, I can see sort of into that next realm. I can, I'm close to the, the veil that parts the physical realm and the spiritual realm. And I really feel like that's led my faith to a more deeper place. And I feel like it makes things that the Bible talks about, especially when it's talking about the spiritual realm, more real to me. And I hope that I can kind of get that across when I'm sharing these stories with other people. So I don't know how you feel about all that, Chris. The Bible, to me, the Bible is universally relatable. There's anything, I, I brought this up before, where a pastor could be conveying a sermon and everyone sitting there has their own interpretation and meaning from it that could pull from them personally. So I, I, you know, that's what it means to you. That's how you've been able to interpret it and how you've applied it. All power to you, bro. All right. Wonderful. Well, I'm sure we'll get more and more into the spiritual realm as we continue on with all this. I'm, I'm sure there's more spiritual talk in our, our future. So would you be so kind to read the first part of scripture? Uh, today, we're going to do it a little different. We're going to read the first chunk and we're going to talk about that. And we're going to read the second chunk and then we'll talk about that. We're just trying a different flow because this is kind of a lengthy section. So we're going to, we're going to kind of break it up a little bit today. So if you'd be so kind to read the first section. Yes. So the first section is going to be talking about the beast from the sea. And uh, for those who needed to catch up, it is Revelations chapter three, or excuse me, chapter 13. Alrighty. And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. Then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads. And on his horns were ten crowns, and on his heads were blasphemous names. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and his great authority. I saw one of his heads as if it had been fatally wounded, and his fatal wound was healed, and the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. They worshipped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who is able to wage war with him? A mouth was given to him, speaking arrogant words and blasphemies, and authority to act for 42 months was given to him. And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to to blasphemy his name and his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven. 
It was also given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given to him over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All who live on earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written since the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slaughtered. If anyone has an ear, let, let him hear. If anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. Ah, yeah. So there at the very end, we got the, if anyone has ears, let him hear. Uh, so once again, we have this. This is straight from Jesus. He's saying this. We This is his catchphrase that we spent a lot of time going over in the first few chapters of Revelation. So whenever we hear this, we, we need to understand that we are hearing this directly from Jesus or God for that matter. So in these times, the sea was a very unknown place and arguably it's still an unknown place today. So in the mythological sense of things, the sea is a symbol of chaos. It's a symbol of mystery. It's the symbol of powers, the symbol of just, it's, it's all the unorderly things in the world. Because as old as the people of this time, they didn't know really what was going on beneath the waves. So it was very dark and mysterious. So when we look at ancient cultures and how they talked about the sea and when they use the sea, for reference in stories and stuff like that, it's often in this this sense of chaos. So we start with this. This first beast is rising up out of chaos, so to say. So John is now looking from, or not, he's not on heaven, in heaven anymore, I should say. He's now shifted his perspective to the earth. He is seeing this from the the earth as it is in the final time where it's going to be recreated and brought into this time of tribulation. So the seven heads is uh, something akin to a hydra. So even if you were managed to cut off one of these heads of this of this beast, I want well, to say dragon because the dragon has seven heads too. But no, the beast. So part of that that the similarities between the dragon and the beast is that the dragons made the beast in his image so that he has some of his authority. You know, he looks a lot like him. He acts a lot like him. And the beast is doing all this to get everyone to worship the dragon. So the horns are a symbol of power in these times. That's why often you'll see bulls on ancient pottery and stuff like that to signify power and authority. So it having oh, huh. 10 horns would make it very very, you know, authoritative. So this, this beast, much like the dragon has authority. And another thing we can kind of look at is that this beast is like the antichrist. So he is, he is the embodiment of the spirit of the antichrist. So the way when that we he talk bestowed about, him too, is what right, right. ring a bell in my mind. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Well, if you think about it, um, we consider our Christ Lord Jesus to be the son of God. Right. And most people would consider, okay, what, what would be a polar opposite of that? But still in the same ballpark, you'd be talking about the Antichrist being the son of the devil. And that's not necessarily how it goes. But in the way that uh, the dragon, or yes, the dragon actually 
had um, given all this authority, given every sanctum of the earth, every nation, every voice to this beast, you got to figure it's almost like um, a protege of the devil, the dragon, right? Yeah, yeah, and and as we'll see, the devil is is very jealous of what God has. Like we know, the devil wants to be like God. The devil wants to to be a creator of the universe, sort of thing. So he often will copy exactly what God does. So in this case, you are very right. There's the dragon who would be in his mind not truly equal to God, and then. The beast would be his son or the Antichrist as Christ. Yeah, so exactly that. And this this Antichrist will perform miracles, as we've talked before, about how he's going to try and prose as Christ. So, uh-huh. yes, very much so. What you, where you're going with that is true. Devil is copying God a lot in this. He wants to have his same power, so he's trying to copy him. So. No. Very, very, ins- very good catch. Oh, no problem. <laughs> uh, so what I see here is the crowns of the beast represent its authority over ten nations, maybe the ten original nations. Uh, could you get into that? The ten original nations that we mentioned last time. Refresh my mind. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about how um, in the last story when we first introduced the dragon with the 10 crowns or the diadems, actually it was not quite crowns. You can think of them as crowns, but in, in a sense, they're more, they're, they're of a higher stature than crowns. So, uh, interesting. So we get this, this, this same 10 crowns. So the beast has the same authority over these 10 original nations as the dragon has. And this is a lot talking about how, the Roman empire had, had subdued most of the world at one point, especially during this point, right during, uh, Jesus's, uh, first coming in, <coughs> excuse me. And, um, his sacrifice and all that. So we're talking about the 10 original nations. I don't know them all off the top of my head, so I don't know that, but there is three of them that were subdued under the other seven nations. And then, on this, we also start talking about how there is some people who think that maybe the seven horns aren't all dispersed amongst the heads evenly or you know unevenly, but maybe that one head has all all the horns on its head. Okay. So it'd actually be like the Antichrist figure inside the beast itself or something like that. So Interesting. We, we get this we get this like maybe one head is 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 leveled up or you know is in the hierarchy over the rest of the body and that's where we get some of this this thought process where is it talking about a person is it talking about a government is it talking about you know a group of people and honestly it's talking about all of them because every time there's an antichrist like figure there's always a, a group of people around him that are his you know minions that take care of exactly his you know is his immediate charge. And then there's also the nation that they rule over with an iron fist. That is part of the body of the beast, you know? So yes, whenever we hear about this beast, we can, we can break it up into any one of those three things. And then if you look through history and you look at just things that have happened and you see antichrist like figures in history, 
we've seen plenty of them, you see this same pattern where there's always an, the leader, the Antichrist, the and then he has minions and stuff like that. So we'll, we'll talk a little more about that here in a minute. But there's a little bit of scripture from Daniel 7, 7 I wanted to get into that was talking about this. After I saw the in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong, it had a huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. So that's the scripture I was referencing to where maybe that one head of the seven heads has all ten horns, has all the authority. And again, as we look through history and we look at antichrist-like figures who fit into the archetype, but you know aren't quite the antichrist, they follow the same pattern. And okay, well, yeah. So, so and something that we've also just read was that the beast is or whoever is antichrist will speak against God and all they do, these blasphemies, these blasphemous actions and these inscriptions, everything that they are is against the image of God, the being of God, but also the word of God. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said before, when you start looking at these antichrist figures in history, you'll see that they often are seeking some way to get rid of God's word taught amongst the people in some way they'll suppress the religion they'll persecute the people who practice it they will do all these things to try and remove god's word from the people false prophecy as well yeah 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 and when we talk about the next beast we'll go a little more into false prophecy okay so we've already gone over uh a little bit in daniel except for the fact that um what Basically, throughout the book, we hear, yeah, we we hear about beasts that sound similar to this one, but we aren't a hundred percent sure if if, if they stem from this in some way. Uh, yeah. So it was talking, I believe it was in this one that it was talking about how the beast was formed. Okay, da, 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 da. That, that's right. I think did is there no description in this one about the beast? That might have been the next beast. I there may was. Have gotten that. Right. There was. Oh yeah, right here. And the beast, as I saw, was like a leopard. His feet were those of a bear, and his mouth was those the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him the power of his throne and a great authority. Yeah. So we have those descriptions of those those animals in there, and they're mentioned back in Daniel as four separate beasts: uh, the bear, the lion, the leopard, and then the indescribable beast, which really seems like this beast of the end times, which we're talking about. But the bear was representative of the Medo-Persian Empire, which had a large, uh, slow-crushing power. So this was most likely a large military, which, again, you go look at any of these Antichrist-like figures, what's one of the big things? Military. They're always after military. Uh, The lion is the Babylonian Empire. This beast had authority and ferociousness and, you know, economic or cultural powerhouse in the area. Often these antichrist like empires are seeking to control the economy or the culture. And most likely both, especially in cases like uh, 
um, Russia and China and Nazi Germany. Uh, absolutely. Then we, yeah, and then we have the leopard. That's the Greek Empire and cat-like vigilance. And when I was reading this and the description of this, this really started make me think of like a surveillance state, which has happened before in the past, and I think is even scarier today because just the level of surveillance a government can have over its people now with the way technology is, is indescribable. It's crazy. Like they could know everything about you. (laughs) So that applies to other places too. Yeah, I know. I, but the level of surveillance that is available today just keeps getting better and better and better. Whereas, you know, the technology we had, the Russians, the Germans would have loved to have it back during their, you know, reigns of of their terrible regimes. You know, exactly. So. And you're saying that, so. Of, of what I can see here, the indescribable beast that um, that fourth one that you're um, saying was the uh, the definitely the doomsday defying one, just because of how horrid the, its appearance would give off. Um, will form this new world order unlike anything that the world has seen yet. Yeah, yeah, and we've seen countries try to get that. We've seen countries, you know, especially the ones who have had dictators at their lead try to reach this, but we've never seen it in history. The the Roman Empire and the British Empire were two of the empires who came closest to having a new world order, and they did not succeed. So, this new state, whatever the, the final Antichrist is, the one who is coming at the end times, will succeed in changing this new global world order. So that's why you see a lot of people are, are really hesitant about bodies of of legislature like the UN and uh, nation state, just those, the EU, any, any big extra governmental body that is trying to impose rules on different countries we need to be very careful with because this these bodies could easily lead to a new world order which would be you know just another sign of the end time so i mean i guess being careful with is one thing but it'll happen when it's supposed to happen i guess so okay uh, that makes a lot of sense to me too because of you know, we talk about the, we were just talking, going over the uh, 10 original nations, uh, which we did cover last episode, and uh, how it's diverted into seven. Uh, but there's these defined structures that the Bible has clearly pointed out for us that, um, you know, aren't really messed, meant to be messed with. <laughs> so uh, you find this uh, this unification and this multinational level of corruption being imminent right yeah yeah and and like i said it'll happen when it's supposed to happen it's just one of those signs that we can you know keep on the lookout for like rebuilding of the temple and stuff like that so uh, we get into the wound of the antichrist and this is more than likely another place where the devil is trying to mimic God in a way. So this beast that he made, his son, as you mentioned earlier, is wounded in a way that would have killed it. And now it's healed and it's been resurrected. So again, he is trying to copy God's 
way and make it seem like he is the right way. So in this beast will more than likely lead a resurrected global Roman empire, which is the new world order sort of thing where this beast is often thought of as Rome by the people who used to, or by the people of this time period. So now that Rome isn't really a global empire anymore, we we think it'd be a new Rome, not necessarily the old one. So makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, we apply it in a modern perspective where we try to take the word of revelation and apply it to the day the here and now. I mean, you get a lot of not only eschatology podcasts, but as well as the doomsday predictors. Like we always talk about, you know, the world is actually going to end in 50 years from now. Uh, <laughs> that definitely would apply everything that they see here to a very specific thing. And, you know, living in biblical times, even throughout the Roman empire, that's interesting that they would, they would find an indefinite thing that, you know, that the beast could very well represent other than the devil. Um, So something important to point out is you are, you you're making the point here too, where uh, I'm, I'm trying to help JD as much as he can today uh, because he's uh, feeling a little out of the weather. So uh, I'm going over our notes here. And you say that they may not be realizing that they're worshiping Satan, the people who are following this beast. Why wouldn't they realize it? Uh, we go back into the, the, the imitation of what, what devil is trying to do here again. We where the antichrist, the beast is, imitating Christ. So to many people, he will look and act much like the Messiah should. He will create, he will do good things. He'll have miracles. He will have power. It's all power that's granted him by the devil, not God. So when we, when we hear of people performing miracles and stuff like that, we need to be very careful and we need to see what it is they are teaching, not necessarily what they are doing. Because if we just follow people who are performing signs and miracles and saying that they're following the true God, we may be unwittingly following them into worship of something other than God, which anything, any worship other than God is, is um, more than likely worship that's pointed towards the devil because if we ever get into talking about all the gods of other mythologies and other religions, I honestly believe that they are demons of some sort who wish to be worshiped as God is, which just goes back into that. They sound a lot like Satan. So it's, we need to be very careful. It's interesting because the imagery that I got, um, and of course you made that self-evident, with how you're explaining how the, the, the Antichrist is going to commit to these miracles that are going to mimic and that are in a way a mockery of the miracles that um, and the parables that Jesus was able to bring forward. Um, but the immediate thing that came to my mind was like, wow, because this thing represents so much power, like you said, you know, the appearance of a bull, um, that they would be deliberately against God's word because and they would follow they they would be more willing to worship this uh demonic force just because it was so powerful and so wealth bearing for them 
Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the true uh, crux of it all is that these and you see this in the antichrist like people who have risen through history they they're very charismatic they they make people want to follow them they they just inspire people to follow them and often those people don't realize that they are conned into doing something very very terrible just because they're following this great leader and that's that's the warning we can get from the beast of the sea so if you'd be so kind to read the scripture on the beast from the earth yes sir then i saw another beast coming up up uh coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and he spoke as a dragon he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who live on it worship the first beast, whose fatal wound was healed. He prefer he performs great signs, so that he makes fire come down out of the sky to the earth in the presence of people. And he deceives those who live on the earth because of the signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast. Uh, speaking of the first one, telling those who live on the earth to make an image of to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak and all cause and cause all who do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all the small and the great the rich and the poor and the free and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hands or on their forehead. And he decrees that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for the number is that of a man and his number is 666. That was a that was a mouthful. There's a lot of run run on sentences there. <laughs> well, I, I know that whenever it's coming out of the old Greek, that the Greek has no sentence structure. So you often will get uh, when translations are closer to just being word for word that you don't have a whole lot of uh, punctuation that helps you take a break or a breath. So it's it's very much a skill that you need to kind of work on knowing where you can stop and take a breath in scripture. And I have the same issues. So don't worry. <laughs> I get, I get appalled too, as I'm reading this, like, Oh, so this is what I've been hearing about all throughout all these years. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, so this is the beast from the earth. So as we were talking about the beast from the sea, we talked about how it's from chaos from it's, it's from this dark place. So this one's coming from the earth. So when the sea is chaos, often the earth is portrayed as order. So in this case, the beast comes from the sea because the place, the world is in chaos. So this great leader arises to fend off the chaos and then as soon as he establishes his re regime his reign there's order so the second beast comes from the earth this beast is is the law bearer he is he is the law bringer he will enforce the laws of the first beast and ultimately what the devil or the dragon wants so we we get this this structure starting to unfold here 
and so this while the first beast is the antichrist the second beast is a false prophet so we very much have the same setup of jesus and john the baptist now we have the antichrist and the false prophet so again the devil is is jealous and is copying god and all he does so uh-huh so that that makes that makes the second beast um the most evil cheerleader to ever come yeah, along here as yeah and as you you're listening to the scripture that's kind of what he is he's he's an evil law instilling cheerleader i guess you know of the first beast promoter we'll go he, with he promoter was, yeah he's a promoter or, or in the case of like just look at the 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 nazi nation uh who was that goebbels i think the pr guy yeah he would have been this this false prophet um figure he wouldn't have been the false prophet but he is in that archetype of what the second beast is he is promoting the agenda he is he is putting out the laws he is enforcing the laws he is you know he's he's the power behind the antichrist so so he he makes all on earth worship the first beast and then we talk about this why why does the second beast why is he so effective at getting people to worship the first beast and it's because man has a religious impulse already and a rebellious impulse so we are uniquely designed in a way with our sin and everything that we want god but if we are left to our own devices we will rebel against him so that makes this beast who's out here promoting uh the devil pretty much very very persuasive because he's just playing on the natural needs of man we have this you know god-shaped hole as you've heard some people talk about it where we feel the need for a religious call to something that's why most atheists have this this very zealous devotion to science it's because they're trying to replace belief with science which as a Christian, we understand is is not a good way to go. It's not a healthy way to go about it. The only way we can fill that God-shaped hole healthily is by worshiping God. So those two shouldn't be equal is, anyway. Yeah, right. But this is why the beast is is so. And then, of course, he's he's why he's so charismatic and why he can get people to follow him so easily. And also, he'll start doing signs and miracles, just like with this statue that he makes come to life. And then, of course, at the very end of this scripture, we have the famous talk of the mark of the beast. And all through history, we, we see time and time again, whenever these these terrible regimes rise up, they come up with some way to mark people, some way to catalog them some way to track them some way to you know make it so they can tell who's on what side and we see this and this is where everyone is talking about what is the next mark of the beast what is the mark of the beast and going a little bit back into what's happening in the world today this is where i feel like america is at this point where it is primed for an antichrist-like figure. I don't think this is going to be the the last try. I don't think this is the global takeover, 
you know, end of the world scenario. But I really feel like the United States has been put into this place of chaos. And as we've seen in the first part of this scripture, from chaos, a beast can rise and that beast can get power over a nation. So I feel like right now, America is in this, and I'm not saying Joe Biden or Trump is is the Antichrist. I, I don't think either one of them fit the bill regardless. But I feel like no matter what happens in this election, we are at a point where it's a tipping point. God's going to make his judgment, and we're either going to head back on a path towards following Christ, or we are heading to a place where we will get an antichrist-like figure in power. And that that's not something I share lightly. That's not something I, I, I want to or hope happens, but I really feel strongly like that's, that's where we are today. I feel like America has come to the end of its empireship. And usually at the end of empires, there is a last evil hurrah of government. And I feel like we're there. And I'm not saying that Biden is the Antichrist or Trump is the Antichrist or anything like that. I'm just saying I feel like we're primed for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, I mean, there's plenty of examples that we could pull from history uh, to that you provided where uh, the Jewish star in Nazi Germany uh, or the social credit score in China. Um, Yeah, or, or Bolsheviks in Russia or... You can go down the list, and I put one that I've heard a little bit about that could happen in the United States today, and that is the microdot vaccine with a bioluminescent trace. Well, I mean, just to be fair, that is the bioluminescent tracing is is a thing already. We know that because that's how they're able to prove whether or not you've had a flu shot yet or not. Yeah, so I, I feel like. You know, it could be another thing. Maybe it's not, you know. Maybe not. I just just feel like we're at the point where we are in enough chaos right now. And maybe we're not. Maybe we're not as in much chaos as I think we are. Maybe I'm letting the news speak to me too much. But (laughs) I feel like we're at a point where something like that could come around. You know, it feels like a turning point in history where we can go one way or the other. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. So what's the big takeaway for today? As we should be wary of the Antichrist and his false prophet, we should be wary of quickly saying we see the end is nigh. We've seen many Antichrist-like figures in history, and this archetypal story we will see time and time again when our nations turn their face from God. So I guess what I'm asking is pray to God, worship God, bring others to God. We need to turn to God when we are in trouble. We need to turn to God when we are, you know, in good times too. But we really need, when we're in times of chaos like this, to be praying, especially for those who aren't on our side, quote unquote, for those who haven't come to Christ, for those who who we may not like that much, the neighbor who does something that you don't really care for, pray for them. Pray for your enemy. Pray for those you don't necessarily associate with. I like your message of outreach because that's the 
you know, that's the primary purpose that we're not only doing this, but as with Revelation being a guidebook on how to go about knowing what is going to happen, it's its own form of outreach. So that's a good message. Prayer is very important, obviously. Uh, that, that just dwindled in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And of course we're, we're doing this in the hopes that, and we'll get into the later chapters where it's, it's more about looking forward to what we have less about the fire and brimstone and what may be terrible about what's to come here in a little bit. We'll be getting into chapters where it's more about what we get to look forward to. And I, I really look forward to that after slugging through so much fire and brimstone. It's, it's about time we get to the sweet stuff, you know? Yes, sir. All right. You want to close this out? Sure thing. Thank you for listening to the Revelation On Demand. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch podcasts from. Please, if you like what we're doing, share this with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. This is a completely private venture and receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact me at revelationondemand at gmail.com. God bless and see you next time. <laughs>